Next, this month's special series focus on disaster medicine and preparedness. Unforeseen disasters carry unique challenges and learning opportunities. This month, we present conversations that scrutinize our plans and protocols and ask, how prepared are we? How will we react? Providing health care in a pandemic influenza scenario would likely bring an all-hands-on-deck approach. The staff at nursing homes and other care facilities would be enlisted to supply treatment. What are the rules governing a provider's permission to deliver care beyond their areas of certification in a disaster situation? You are listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to a special segment, Focus on Disaster Medicine. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan Hill, Professor of Surgery and Practicing General Surgeon, and our guests today are Dr. Philip Smith, Professor and Chief of Infectious Diseases at the University of Nebraska School of Medicine, and Dr. Lona Modi, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine in the Division of Geriatric Medicine at the University of Michigan School of Medicine. Dr. Smith and Dr. Modi are co-authors of a publication in JAMA on preparedness for pandemic influenza in nursing homes. Welcome, Dr. Smith and Dr. Modi. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We are discussing the role of nursing homes in pandemic flu scenarios. Doctors, what would be the special needs of nursing home residents, especially geriatric, in a pandemic flu situation? There are several things that a nursing home will have to be careful about during a pandemic if that occurs. And what is that? And first of all, the nursing homes will have to take care of their own patients, their own population. The second thing is that they might be called upon to serve as a surge capacity site for hospital overflow if the hospitals are overwhelmed. Can the nursing homes handle them with a hospital overflow? Based on our research, we have found that the nursing homes run a fairly high occupancy rates, so they would have to have certain plans in place in order to make room for these patients who are discharged from hospital setting. But nursing homes can do that. They are ideal. They have a institutional setting. They are well-suited for making room for hospital overflow because of their infrastructure to provide medical care, such as giving IV fluids, antibiotics, and other medications, oxygen, presence of a nursing staff, infection control, and physicians who actually visit these nursing homes. They already accept these patients from the hospital. The only thing is that if they are supposed to do in an emergency situation, they have to plan for discharging some well-older adults to their loved ones. Dr. Smith, is the typical nursing home setup at all conducive to limiting the spread of infection? And if not, are there simple ways to improve upon this logistic problem? Well, all nursing homes are required to have an infection control program, and virtually all of them do. However, their resources are limited compared to the acute care hospital setting. So if you go into a typical nursing home, you'll find gowns and gloves and masks and isolation signs. But because of the more limited nursing staff, the less intense nursing and the less financial resources, you, of course, will not be able to isolate as readily as you will in a hospital. So if into that setting you introduce a highly contagious disease like pandemic influenza, it will certainly stress the resources of a nursing home greatly. You chose your respective home states, that being Michigan and Nebraska, for your work. 
How do they factor into the larger task of planning state-by-state, across-the-country issues? Dr. Modi and I had shared an interest in this, which is why we selected our respective states, and we elected to serve all the nursing homes in both states, and we had an excellent response rate of just about 70%, which we were happy with. And we noted that within our population, there were some very large nursing homes in big cities like Omaha and Detroit, and there were some tiny nursing homes in very rural settings. So we think we have a fairly representative sample, and we think the information will be helpful to planners at the national level. What really stimulated us to do this in the first place was that health planners in discussing what would happen if there was a pandemic of influenza realized that the hospitals would fill up very quickly. Hospitals are right now tending to run fairly full. And so then you have patients who are sick and need care in a hospital-type setting. There are no beds. Where do you put them? And one natural thought is, well, let's put them in nursing homes. On the other hand, when we talk to nursing homes, they felt that for a variety of reasons they would be unable or unwilling to take what we call the surge capacity or extra hospital patients. And because of that disconnect, we thought we would try to document what was going on in long-term care facilities in order to help healthcare planners at the national level. What is a standalone pandemic plan as opposed to an incorporated pandemic plan? Well, a standalone plan is one that is developed specifically for pandemic influenza. So, for instance, when the SARS outbreak occurs in 2003, the hospitals that were affected by SARS decided this was a serious infection, which it was, and they needed to be prepared by developing a plan. What happens if SARS breaks out in your community? How do you isolate? There is no particular treatment, but how do you diagnose? Should you transfer from one institution to another? And to some extent, this happens after a variety of disasters, including the Hurricane Katrina. So some institutions, because pandemic influenza appears to be the greatest threat in the world right now to cause widespread infectious disease, uh, some institutions are developing a plan dedicated specifically to pandemic influenza whereas others are trying to develop more of an all-hazards approach that you can adapt to different infections. If you have just joined us, you are listening to a special segment, Focus on Disaster Medicine, on ReachMD. I am your host, Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and our guests are Dr. Philip Smith, Professor and Chief of Infectious Diseases at the University of Nebraska School of Medicine, and Dr. Lona Modi, Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine in the Division of Geriatric Medicine at the University of Michigan School of Medicine. We're discussing the role of nursing homes in pandemic flu scenarios. Doctors, how do physician participation laws in a disaster vary state to state? You know, physician participation, I can speak only for geriatrics and nursing homes specifically, and Physicians, to my knowledge, and geriatricians are not actively involved in nursing home pandemic preparedness at present. The physicians at a medical center, there is usually an emergency response team where there are emergency room physicians involved, infectious disease physicians involved, and other emergency responders, which include physicians involved in pandemic planning at a university or a hospital level. But in the nursing home, In general, to my knowledge, medical directors or physicians are not actively involved in pandemic planning. Can an RN substitute for a physician? Sure. Each nursing home can have a disaster planning team or pandemic committee, which can include an infection control nurse. And in fact, our research 
showed that, you know, quite a significant, almost three-quarters of nursing homes had a person assigned for pandemic preparedness, and that was most likely to be an infection control nurse. Well, how do the nursing home staff train for something like this? The first thing that nursing homes can do is to go to the pandemic flu website, which is www.pandemic.gov, and they can download. That site has specific plans for different settings. For example, they have a plan for acute care hospital, community clinics, and nursing home setting. So they can download a plan from there and then look at the components, and there are specific directions for each different elements of pandemic preparedness plan. For example, what should they do in terms of outbreak control, clinical evaluation, and admission procedures in the event of a pandemic, specific directions to develop a communication plan in order to collaborate with public health officials. There are directions to education and training, occupational health, administration of vaccines and antivirals, and evaluation of surge capacity. Now, do all of these rules and policies change once a state of emergency has been officially declared? They do, and that's one of the most important things that every state right now is wrestling with a number of ethical issues that will come into play in the presence of an emergency. So, for instance, you mentioned one of them earlier, and that is the altered standards of care. So, for instance, if we all find this, if there's an auto accident, the person may have to try to provide emergency care that they're not entirely comfortable or trained with but are able to do some good in that setting. And the Good Samaritan Law is designed to protect them on a larger scale in an emergency. So you may have to have, for instance, an LPN doing what an RN normally does, or you may have to have a general physician managing a ventilator because what's going to happen is there won't be enough physicians to go around. Physicians, there'll be some who will be missing because of illness, and there'll be a flood of patients So you'll have patients both in the hospital setting and the non-traditional hospital setting who are going to be asked to do things that they may not be trained for. Obviously, it's in the public's interest to have people pitch in and do as much as they can. So there has to be legal protection if you're going to provide altered standards of care. Things that one would normally not do in the course of daily medicine are going to be considered not only acceptable but desirable and perhaps life-saving in an emergency so that each state is now addressing what sort of legal relief you can provide in order to allow practitioners, both nurses and doctors, to be able to provide the maximum amount of assistance during an emergency. Well, is the liability issue concerns uh, with respect to the physicians a significant one? Yes. I think if you talk to most physicians, they're very concerned about being protected if they have to provide standards of care that they don't normally do in an emergency or in a non-emergent situation. We always talk about prevention, preventive role. Can nursing homes take a preemptive role in this care? Yeah, I think that the best way to minimize, I'm not sure exactly whether we can prevent a pandemic, but the best way at this stage from nursing home standpoint, but the nursing homes can be preventive in terms of being better prepared to handle a pandemic. And what that means is that if they can get guidance on specific contingencies, for example, if they have guidance on how to track transfers to and from the facility as patients, visitors, and staff come and go, that would certainly prevent transmission or, first of all, entrance of pandemic strain in the facility and then transmission of that strain. So in that sense, nursing homes can 
for sure plan now to prevent the disease or prevent devastating complications of the disease. Are you optimistic that statewide, throughout the country, that preparedness appropriately will be done? I think there's an enormous amount of effort being done at all levels, uh, national, regional, and state. And I think in the last year or two, we've made enormous progress. If we had a pandemic today, we'd still have some issues. But I feel that we've made a lot more progress, not just in terms of developing experimental vaccines, but in having hospitals and nursing homes and public health and businesses prepared. I want to thank our guests, Dr. Philip Smith and Dr. Lona Modi. We've been discussing the role of nursing homes in pandemic flu scenarios. I'm Dr. Mark Nolan-Hill, and you have been listening to a special segment, Focus on Disaster Medicine. Be sure to visit our website at reachmd.com, featuring on-demand podcasts of our entire library. And thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Disaster Medicine and Preparedness. For a program guide and complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com and download ReachMD's new iPhone application, Medical Radio. Listen to the same live stream of ReachMD medical news and information you enjoy on XM160. Plus, CME and thousands of searchable podcasts. Download the Medical Radio app today.